1: write lyrics and music Uh and that would be how i would get a lot of my anger out you know a lot of women in history especially music history have written classic and amazing songs about how angry a man has made them Uh and they've like it turns into an anthem for women like yes women empowerment fuck the patriarchy all we have is this fucking podcast <laughs> where somebody says that we're dumb bitches. And I'm like, hey, that makes me mad. And I don't like you. And I'm just going to keep swearing and being angry about it because I don't have eloquent words to form to say otherwise. You're just lucky Apple Podcasts doesn't let me respond to you. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. But yes, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. because yeah. We don't need that. I don't know. But I do have so many questions that our negative reviews. I do. Are yeah. we prudes? Or are we vulgar? I don't. I don't know. Apparently, we're both. God, man, I really need the internet to tell me who I am as a person. It's funny because, like, I've been pretty. I've been a pretty confident kid. I've been a pretty confident
2: teenager. I've been a pretty confident twenty, thirty something. And now I'm just like, but
1: what am I? But what am I? I I really need these. I really need. These people who I don't know and listen to <laughs> 20 minutes of one of our episodes to tell me who I yeah, am. Please
2: tell me who I am because, you know, I really need to rethink this entire podcast to cater to your
1: butthurt feelings. And also, though, can this podcast become an anthem <laughs> please. to, like, angry ladies who it are should. like, can you stop, though?
2: Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that... Uh, that a Peter and Christian would be
1: into that, so. Yeah. In our network. Shout out to be... Peter and Christian. <laughs> hey, guys. Hi.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, hey,
1: they're you... like, we don't know them. <laughs> they're not on our network. Let's pull them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Please clap. I just... Some days I just feel like Jeb Bush. Please clap. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my candy! Uh, where we all kind of feel like Jeb Bush sometimes. Everybody feels a little Jeb sometimes. <laughs> everybody jabs oh do we have to though sometimes sometimes (laughs) (laughs) your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats from the world of music and stories and tales and all the things you never knew you wanted to know but we're fucking telling you anyway whether you like those things or not getting real mad about it god i hope we make you so mad today how mad are you are you getting mad? Tell me how mad you're getting right now. I'm fucking oh angry. my god, do you want us to just shut up and talk about
2: the artist? Nah, I'm not gonna do that until steam comes out your ears, you mm. fucking bitch. Yeah, how mad are you? <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm Maggie. And I'm Ashley. And we're gonna make
1: you mad.
2: Yeah, well, we're talking about a very angry young lady yes. today.
1: Oh, she did not know how to control herself. Oh, how dare she? My god, she was better when she was just happy and perky and Canadian. Well, clutch my pearls. My God, how dare she? Fucking a song. Oh my God, she talked about going down on someone in a movie theater. (laughs) Did not specify what movie though, and that's kind of what I want to know. It probably wasn't a good one. I mean,
2: I'm not gonna pay to go see a movie and then suck some guy's dick. No, I I paid for that movie.
1: Paid for the movie.
2: Paid for that movie. I'm watching the fucking movie. Right,
1: but if he paid, all right, we'll suck your dick it can wait till we get home well
2: i don't know is it a bad movie though i just don't want to suck some guy's dick in a movie theater <laughs>
1: oh i guess the hygiene is also a factor
2: that is one of the factors yes okay and yeah. i guess
1: like getting arrested for you know having sex in public yeah probably not great yeah not great anyway <laughs> so we're talking about Last lost who yeah. gave dave coulier a blow job in a movie theater
2: Oh, God.
1: Yeah, I just painted that picture for you, didn't I? Oh, we're going to paint lots of pictures. Oh, pictures are painted
2: tonight. Yeah. <laughs> with, with Dave Coulier's face in them. Hey,
1: cut it out. <laughs> How many times are we going to make that joke tonight? <laughs> Drinking game.
2: <laughs> that and we can talk about Dave
1: Coulier's wood. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He got laid.
2: Yeah. Uncle Joey
1: got laid. Oh, okay.
2: Let's get into it when when that comes up. Yeah, All we'll right. we'll get to that.
1: You know, sh- oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to it. But before we shut up and just start talking about the artist, <laughs> I guess we should talk about this beer. Actually, I, do, I would like to talk about this beer because that's really why we is, did the episode. It's the reason we, we're we doing the episode. So, And it's a good beer. And I is, like it. It's a good beer. It's great can. Yes. I really like it. It's very pretty, and it's exactly the way it should look. They like, did—they did their research. Yeah, it looks like the jagged little pill cover, which is good because it's called jagged little pills from Lamplighter Brewing Co. in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Blue. Flourish the pinky, <laughs> yes. Blue's. But yeah, it's actually—it's a really good standard pills. I mean. I mean, it's fine. It's got some flair. I like it. It's got some spices it's, in there. You know what it is? It's not... It's no Dream Theater Pilsner. That kind of spoiled me. Yeah, we're all spoiled by Dream Theater, but... Yeah. I mean, it's like, like, Alanis Morissette doesn't have any 23-minute songs,
2: As far as we know. She does have a hidden track on Jagged Little Pill, though.
1: Yeah, but it's only, like, two minutes? Three minutes? Yeah. It's since acapella. Yeah. It's a lovely little song, though. Lovely little ditty. But yeah, this is a good beer. I would highly suggest if you... Oh, a, I'm sorry. It's a Czech style Pilsner. Well, there you go. That's 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 the spice. Because <laughs> the, the Czech, Czech, the Czechs are spicy. The Czechs are spicy folk, just like the Canadians that we're going to talk about tonight. Are they? Uh, no, and that's why I like them. They're just they're just humble, lovely little people.
2: Yeah,
1: they're not. They're they're they actually are just like normal people. <laughs> I don't know why I talk about them like they're <laughs> mythical creatures, but here we are.
2: Well, maybe they are. Let's give them some credit.
1: Give them some credit.
2: Magical little dragons. Yeah. From the
1: north. Ooh, I mean, like, checks, though. Yeah. Ha, checks. (laughs) Mm. All right. Yeah. Well, let's
2: shut our pie holes. Yeah. And talk about the actual artist. Okay. Let's get into it. All right. Alanis Nadine Morissette's story starts in good old Ottawa, Canada. Yay. Where she was born on June 1st, 1974, to Georgia and Allen, A high school principal and a French teacher, respectively.
1: Oh, that's like the most quaint little family. Super cute. Super quaint. Yeah. So Canadian.
2: She has an older brother, Chad, and a twin brother, Wade. Mm, Chad. And quite frankly, she went out on the name game in that family.
1: Oh, yeah, no. Here's my brother. Here are my brothers, Chad and Wade. Oof. Yikes. Sorry, Chad and Wade. Those are decidedly very American names. but And also just decidedly not great names overall. Yeah. Sorry, Chads and Wades. But you never want to be a Chad or a Wade. You don't. Especially Chad. Oof. Yeah. Like Wade, you could at least like make it work for you somehow. Yeah. Chad, you can't. <laughs> That's it.
2: While she was born in Canada, Alanis didn't necessarily grow up there. Her parents worked for a military school and moved often. From the ages of three to six, Alanis and her family even lived in Leir, Germany. Ooh. Exotic. That is exotic. (laughs) I'm white. (laughs) So are they. Yeah, I know. Despite moving around a lot, Alanis always stayed grounded because of a deep connection to her maternal grandmother, who honestly seems like a pretty badass woman with a fantastic sense of humor. She was born in Hungary and escaped the country in 1956 after the Hungarian Revolution was crushed by the Soviet Union. With Alanis' mother and aunt under each arm and only the clothing on their backs, her grandmother and grandfather fled Hungary to Canada, making a life for themselves despite not knowing a word of English. Damn! They also became extremely dream roman catholics i mean nobody's perfect happens i think they i mean they already were roman catholic but
1: they got to really roman catholic it up once they got to canada
2: they romaned and they catholic my god eventually grandma became an english teacher which probably inspired alanis's mother to become a teacher as well after her family stint in germany they moved back to canada where alanis caught the creative bug She started taking piano lessons when she was only six, and by age seven, she was composing her own songs. Again, wishing I had the talent. Yeah, wishing I had, wishing my parents actually had the money to get me a clarinet.
1: Just wanted a clarinet,
2: guys. I just wanted to play clarinet. Mm. Couldn't. Too expensive.
1: You do strike me as a clarinet player. Right? Yeah, Yeah. I see it. (laughs) No nonsense, clarinet players. Clarinets
2: are my spirit instrument? Sure. In 7th grade band, I guess. (laughs) saxophone's mine. Yeah, it is. (laughs) By age 9, she had written her own songs and recorded them on her first demo tape, which was sent to MCA Records Canada in 1983. What? Yeah. Shit. The head of MCA's A&R, John Alexander, heard the tape and loved it, but ultimately passed on Lana's because she was only 9 years old. Yeah, that's fair. He said literally, what am I going to do with
1: a 9 year old? Yeah, cuz this was before the time of like grabbing him real young and yeah. training him up. Yeah.
2: Instead, Alanis focused on acting. From 1986 to 87, she appeared on the tween-led Canadian-based Nickelodeon show You Can't Do That on Television. That's
1: right. Which you
2: may remember as a sketch comedy show where you got covered in green slime if you said I don't know.
1: Oh, I've never watched it. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't have cable. I didn't have cable.
2: Yeah, it was kind of like SNL for kids. Interesting. But if you said, I don't know, you just got tons of green slime, like, on your head. Because Nickelodeon. Because Nickelodeon. Cause that's what they did. And they kind of tried to make it like the Saturday Night Live meets uh, Monty Python thing. It was very odd. Huh. But also cute. All right. It was cute. All right. She wasn't a regular cast member, but she appeared on the show enough to use her earnings to jumpstart a music career. In 1987, she recorded a song called Fate Stay With Me, which is kind of reminds me of Fire Walk With Me, but very
1: different. Oh, I I bet.
2: (laughs) The song didn't go anywhere, but it did land her a spot singing the Canadian National Anthem at the 1988 World Figure Skating Championships. Oh,
1: that was actually probably really big in Canada, though.
2: Yeah. Nineteen
1: eighty-eight. Figure was also, skating. It was also winter.
2: Yeah, it was also pretty big in America. I would assume. Oh, I don't know. I don't fucks with that. Well, when did the Nancy Kerrigan thing happen? Ninety-four. Oh, really? It was that late? Yeah, ninety-four,
1: ninety-six. Yeah, yeah. The hair and makeup—it's very yeah. mid mid nineties. Very mid nineties. I mean, Tanya Harding's hair alone.
2: Oh yeah, the, them uh, poofy bangs. Oh
1: yeah, those were some bangs. Those were some bangs. Not sure what was bigger, her bangs or her scrunchie. They competed. They did. A lot. That was the real competition. <laughs> that was the real competition on the ice was the bangs versus the scrunchie. <laughs> Going for the gold. 1994, picture it. Bangs, scrunchies. <laughs> Kneecaps getting smashed. Wow.
2: <laughs> that is the entire movie, I, Tanya. Yes. The entire You're welcome. That's, that's all you need to know. You're done. One of the musicians that worked with her on this was Leslie Howe, formerly of the Canadian synth pop group One to One.
1: Hmm.
2: I have never heard of him either.
1: But like Leslie Howe sounds familiar. It
2: does, right? I think hmm. he's worked with a bunch of
1: fa- Maybe, other yeah, famous Big producer Canadians. I don't know. There's a lot of Canadians who sing songs.
2: <laughs> that is a true statement, Maggie. <laughs> I said words. <laughs> The intention was that Leslie would help prepare Alanis to appear on Star Search. But instead, he focused on securing her a record deal. She did eventually appear on Star Search in 1990, where she sang One Bad Apple by the Osmonds. She lost to Chad the Singing Cowboy. Chad, Chad!
1: Bad Chad! Son of
2: a bitch! Bad Chad, that son of a bitch!
1: (laughs) Bad Chad strikes again! Oops. He is a cowboy. This he is checks. a cowboy.
2: Probably for the best, though, instead of winning Star Search, she secured a deal with MCA Records in 1989. It was John Alexander, the same A&R guy that rejected a nine-year-old Alanis, that eventually signed her to a deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it makes sense. He would, like, eventually come back to her when she's older and like, oh, you're closer to being an adult now and I can do something with this. Gross. Oh, gross. No, no, no.
2: Gross. This led to the release of her first album, Alanis, in 1991, when she was only 16 years old. Even though she co-wrote all the songs on the album, this Alanis is not the Alanis we all know now. She's only 16. She hasn't hit
1: the times.
2: Ooh. This Alanis really wanted to be the next pop queen of the 90s, and that's exactly what she became. She had three hit singles off of this album, Walk Away and Feel Your Love, made the top 40 singles charts, and Walk Away featured a baby-faced Matt LeBlanc in in the music video. That's
1: right. His, His skin was so
2: smooth. Right? Baby smooth. Baby butt smooth. But it was too hot. That made people go nuts for Atlantis.
1: <laughs> I, bet, I bet it did. And I showed you
2: I sent you the link for this oh, video. Did you watch it? Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh. Good shit. Too hot is slathered in cheese. It's basically any dish you could order from an Italian American restaurant in downstate New York. It's stuffed with cheese. It's covered <laughs> in cheese. And it is legitimately too
1: hot to ingest. Oh. It's actually just made of cheese. It's It's just just cheese. It's just cheese. And it's too hot. It's hot cheese. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: hot cheese that's been sitting under a broiler for too long. Oh, my God. And basically, it's just a parody of itself.
1: Yeah. Without even trying to be, though.
2: It was trying to be really serious and, like, legit. And it just... It didn't work. And the song was fucking terrible. And this genre of music... Is not Alanis's forte.
1: No. And this song
2: did not fit her voice at all.
1: It's kind of like when Tori Amos tried to do the pop star thing yes. in, the, in like the late 80s. Yes. Um, it's just like the why can't Tori read? It's just doesn't. It's like, not them. It's not them. It's not them. And they, but I mean, they're just doing what they think they have to do to break yeah. into it. Soon they learn. Oh, I know how I'm going to make them all move. With my anger.
2: These angry women. Why are they so angry? Why, God, these women need to just be nice. Why are they so angry? If you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything
1: at all. I'm going to fucking go down on Dave Coulier at <laughs> a movie theater. I swear <laughs> to God. Well, you know what? That's enough to make anyone angry.
2: You can cover that in cheese and won't make it any good. <laughs> Anyway, can we not talk about Dave Coulier's dick anymore? (laughs) At least not for a little bit. I don't know. Can we? we? All right, we'll try. But this is exactly what Canada wanted at the time, and it made Alanis a household name. She even opened for Vanilla Ice. Oh, shit. No way. Yeah. And was nominated for three Juno Awards, one of which she won, and eventually the album went platinum. Damn.
1: And this is what... How I Met Your Mother based Robin on. Yes. Robin is
2: 100% based on Alanis
1: Morissette. From Canada. My favorite. Tween pop career. Yep. My favorite is when she went angry and wrote P.S. I Love You. It was about Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer? The fucking keyboardist for the David Letterman. (laughs) Was. I yeah. never watched the show. I fucking oh, hated it. But I loved it until the very end, like until like the last season. And I was like, I have invested way too much time for this to be the bullshit ending.
2: That's a That seems to be a trend.
1: Yeah. That's what TV Game, shows of, do. Game of
2: Thrones just took the How I Met Your Mother tact. Yep. Anyway. Yes. Sorry. With all that success, comparisons to other female pop ingenues abounded. And eventually Atlantis got the
1: nickname of Debbie Gibson of the North. Oh my god, stop. Yeah, I so just her to walk around with like this pure white snow cape and her crazy nineties hair and, and like tons of scrunchies. Oh my god. And but like also wearing
2: keds and like eight pairs of scrunch socks.
1: Oh my god. The Queen of the North Alanis <laughs> More said is definitely the Queen of the North. Yeah.
2: Her success delighted her record label and inevitably they started putting a ton of pressure on Alanis. Not just to create more hit songs, but to have a certain appearance, too. Yep. The intense pressure MCA put on Alanis to lose weight led her to develop anorexia and bulimia. Cool. Yeah. Great. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Causing a lifetime of mental health issues surrounding body image and food. She would barely eat for months at a time, sustaining herself on carrots, Melba toast, and coffee. What? Which isn't even tasty. No. Well, carrots are good. But like, Melba I want to dip them in something. Yeah, I want to dip, dip that Melba toast in something. Yeah, like if you if you just added like buffalo chicken dip to this, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> the that, ties chicken in, dip that ties everything. That ties everything together. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, all right. It's a buffalo chicken dip diet. I like it. That's all right. All right. in the mu- <laughs> in the music industry, surrounded by powerful men that told her what to do. This was her way of having having something in her life she could control.
1: Yep, that's, yep, yeah, 100%. That's yeah. every person who goes to any sort of eating disorder, it's, it's, they it's, lack they can, control.
2: Yeah, that's the yeah. one thing they can control. She was also running herself ragged. She was only 16 or 17, but she had school, family, writing, recording, and an and exploding music career all on her plate at the same time. She would go from school to the studio to write and record until the wee hours of the morning. Drinking and smoking pot that the older individuals in the studio would make available. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Gotta stay awake somehow.
1: Pot would not keep me awake. Maybe if you're like 14. Uh, um, No. You know, when I was like 18, 19 smoking pot, like, nah man. That would should put me to bed. I guess it gave me like a little, like, it would give me a boost, but then I'd fall flat real quick.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, as soon as she's done recording, then she's like, all right, sleepy time. Done. I wonder if I made her more, her more creative. Give her some weird know. lyrics. I don't know. I hope so. She continued down this path into the release of her next album, Now Is The Time, in 1992. Like her first album, all the songs were co-written by Alanis, and it was produced by Leslie Howe. This album fared significantly worse than her first. It produced three moderate hits, but only sold about half the number of copies that her first album did.
1: So it was the cursed sophomore slump. Yes. Boo. Boo Boo-hoo.
2: Commercially, now is the time was a failure. Everyone realized that she wasn't going to fare any better in Ottawa, so on the advice of her manager, Scott Welch, Alanis moved to Toronto after graduating high school. She was then dropped by MCA Records, but they still connected her with a Los Angeles producer named Glenn Ballard. He was blown away by Alanis's talent, sincerity, and wisdom, and invited Alanis to his Los Angeles studio to write music together. After only a year living in Toronto, Alanis packed up her stuff and moved to LA, where the duo instantly hit the ground running. And between 1994 and 1995, Alanis and Glenn co-wrote as many songs as they could. They really had no clear direction when it came to sound, but Alanis knew she wanted something far more sincere than her previous albums.
1: That's fair. I mean, at this point, how old is she? Like 19, 20? She's 19. Yeah. So she's she's hitting that age where sincerity is starting to mean more than anything. Yeah. she has
2: She's had enough life experience to... Or so she thinks. ...have emotions God, about she's things. she's an
1: adult now. ...to feel ways about things. Like when you're 20 and you think you're an adult now. Mm-hmm. So she's hitting that poetic adult phase of her life.
2: Yeah. Oh, good for her. You have a lot more to go through before you can relate to me as an adult. Thank you. But trying counts. Trying counts, but also you're annoying. Get away from me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Stop trying so hard. Yeah.
2: It helped that Alanis wasn't on a record label, so pressure from on high wasn't a thing. Also, a big help was that Glenn had no idea who she was. Her oh. previous two albums were only released in Canada, so oh. no one in the U.S. had any clue who she was.
1: No shit. Yeah, nobody knew that she had this career beforehand. I mean, I guess that makes sense because I had never heard of her before Jagged
2: Little Pill. I was very surprised to hear that she was like a child star Yeah, in Canada before Jagged Little Pill came out.
1: Canada's its own country? <laughs> what?
2: Chan- <laughs> Canada. Canada hides things from us? Like... Good for you Who though. Hide you? things from us. Hide everything from us, please. We will take it. We will ruin it. You could have hid the
1: bare naked ladies from <laughs> us. You know that would have been nice, but no. Actually, no. I'm lying. I kind of really used to like the bare naked ladies.
2: Yeah, I feel like we all at Think one there's point, a point in
1: your life where really like really liked the bare naked like, ladies. They're kind of fun. This was
2: back when people wore Birkenstocks with like baggy cargo pants <laughs> yes. and tight tank tops. Like. I'm like... That's the kind of person that liked Bare Naked Ladies back in 1999. And They referenced
1: Sailor Moon in a song, and I was like, mm, you know what they Sailor Moon They reference like is.
2: everything in every song. I know that's
1: like their thing. Yeah, I mean, like it's hard for me to listen to Bare Naked Ladies now. Yeah, as a grown ass adult, <laughs> but like high school college bag, like, I like this. It's got a beat you can dance yeah. to. it. Bare Naked Ladies is good from when you're transitioning
2: from high school to college and you just figured out what pot is. Yes, that's bare naked
1: ladies time. Yeah. That's when you should be listening. And you just get to high it. and you sing. If I had a million dollars, yeah, and you think it's so deep, but also hilarious. But like, who wants to go out and play frisbee golf in the
2: quad? Is that a game? Yeah, frisbee golf. What? You, I'm. I don't have
1: time to explain frisbee <laughs> golf to you, Maggie. That's fair. All right, <laughs> just tell me more about Alanis.
2: Okay. What came out of these recording sessions was her third and by far her most popular album, 1995's Jagged Little Pill. Fuck yeah. Although Atlantis was only 21 when the album was released, the songs sounded like they were written by someone far older and wiser than someone barely out of high school.
1: Actually? Yeah. What? Yeah. She's only 21?
2: She's only 21. And she wrote most of the songs when she was 1920. How old was
1: was she when she was dating Dave Coulier? Oh, I'm getting... Oh Get into it. I have questions, and I need <laughs> answers that Dave Coulier needs to answer for, what are you doing, sir?
2: Particularly, how much cheese does it take to cover your dick? Because <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> anyway, this was especially true of the album's first single, You Oughta Know, a scathing takedown of an ex-boyfriend that turned into a feminist anthem. And of course... Considering how angry she sounded, everyone wanted to know who the subject of the song was. Of course. It's just like you're so vain. Yeah. Enter Dave Uncle Joey Coolier of Full House. Oof. I'm not entirely sure how Alanis and Dave met, but they dated from 1992 to 1994. Wow. Mind you, in 1992, Alanis was 18 and Dave was 33. Ooh. I mean I'm she was legal in by US standards. It, apparently the, at that time in Canada it was legal if you were fourteen or older. What no. Yeah. Nope.
1: No. That's what I read. No, no, I, I I, I'm I'm not saying no to you. I'm saying no to Canada. <laughs> no, no Canada. Canada bad Canada, no. Bad Canada. Get off those curtains. Oh, Get off those 14 plus curtains. 18 or nothing. 18 or bust, you idiots. But also, anyway. like, can you imagine any of our 33-year-old friends, if they dated an 18-year-old, we would be on them like white on rice, like, what are you doing? Let me
2: give you a little bit of context here. When Alanis was 18 and Dave was 33 and they started dating, she was only two years older than DJ Tanner at that time.
1: Oh, no. Oh, Did did your vagina just, like, dry up like like the Sahara Desert? It's no longer usable. You broke my vagina. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Woof.
2: Now, Alanis has never, ever said who the song was actually about, but Dave owned it almost as soon as people realized it could have been him. Yeah. He has since reversed his position on it, saying, no, he's not the guy in the song. But frankly, you change your, your... tune that many times, who else would it have been? It could have been a bunch of people, honestly. Oh. Because from what I understand, from what I gathered in my research, Alanis used this time to experiment with drugs and alcohol and stuff like that, and also was a bit promiscuous at this time because the industry... Made it seem like she had to be.
1: Yeah. Well, and also, like, she is at that age where she... You know, like, your college age, that's when you get right. curious about that shit. The freedom's there. And
2: there are a lot of older men in, yeah. her, in her circle that are more than willing to take advantage of her. Hmm.
1: So maybe it could be about all of them. So Dave
2: Coulier probably was one of them. Could have been Leslie Howe. Could have been
1: Glenn Ballard, for all I know. Right. Could have
2: been anybody.
1: But also, the line the cross-eyed bear totally always thought it was the cross-eyed bear like everyone else did i thought that they went to a carnival and he won her a bear and it had crossed eyes that is incredibly innocent and sweet and not at all what the song's about nope i was like he was a bad boyfriend and got her a shitty stuffed teddy bear (laughs) <laughs> it's probably some garbage hometown carnival. It wasn't even a real circus. I mean, I didn't know what go down on you in a theater meant at oh, all. Oh, yeah. None of us did. Until I was like, I don't know, a teenager. And I was like, oh, wait. oh, boy. Oh,
2: so let's see. Ultimately, Jagged Little Pill produced six singles. Shit. Yeah. But by far the biggest of them was the song Ironic. Isn't that ironic? Isn't it? It's not. <laughs> this is the song people would not stop talking about, especially when it came to Alanis's use of the word ironic. So many people were so quick to point out that the ironies she described in the song weren't proper ironies at all. They were just bummer situations. Bummer? Isn't it a bummer? <laughs> I mean, Don't yeah, they were, they were bummers. They yeah. are bummers. But I'm kind of on Alanis's side here. I think that the song describes situational ironies. A sharp discrepancy between the expected result and the actual result. Irony has gray areas. Ooh. So there's actual irony and situational irony. And she was describing more of the situational irony side.
1: Okay. Yeah, because at this point in my life, I still have no fucking idea yeah. what irony is. And I
2: think most people, when they say something is ironic, they are describing a situational
1: irony. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I guess, like, I've heard it defended too, as, like, it's more like a
2: coincidence. Yeah, that's kind of what a situational irony is. Right. Okay. It's a coincidence. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a fucking coincidence. It's a bummer of a coincidence. Shut up about it. It's still technically an irony. And it's
1: still a bop. It is. Still a good one. Still a good one.
2: At this point, Atlantis had been picked up by Maverick Records. The company founded by Madonna. Oh, that's right. Who were the only record label interested in Alanis after all the majors de- declined to sign her. Bombs, Assholes.
1: It loses.
2: After a long and disappointing quest to find a label, Alanis and Glenn met with Guy Siri, an A&R exec at Maverick, who loved what he heard and offered Alanis a record deal. Maverick hit the jackpot because Jagged Little Pill sold 16 million copies in the U.S. alone and 33 million worldwide. And it is still currently the second highest selling album by a female artist.
1: No shit! Yeah. That's awesome! Second to Shania Twain. Really? Yeah. Is it the one with that don't impress me Indeed much? Indeed it is. Yeah, meow, 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 meow. <laughs> Alright, that makes sense. Yeah. That was that was also a bop of an album.
2: Yeah. The album even did well in Canada where people were far more wary of this new grungier Alanis Morissette. She's so angry. I don't
1: why is she so angry? Why is she playing rock? She was a pop princess. Why is she like different now? I don't like it. She's vulgar. She said fuck. And my precious little Catholic ears can't handle it. <laughs> Then don't fucking listen. Yeah.
2: Nevertheless, she won heaps of Juno Awards and Grammys, including Album of the Year. Fuck yeah, she did. She then embarked on an 18-month worldwide tour, which featured a then-unknown drummer named Taylor Hawkins, who joined Foo Fighters after this tour was oh, over. that's
1: right. I forgot he toured with her. He was
2: even in the video for You Ought to Know.
1: That's right. Yeah. Also, Aww. Also,
2: Flea and Dave Navarro... Uh, played bass and guitar respectively on the recorded version of You Ought to Know. Huh. So I kind of have to respect them now? No. Just because they did one thing right? No.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> that how that works? That's not how it works. Oh, okay. But I think every woman remembers when she got the album jagged little pill oh yeah and something awakens inside you yeah that 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 angry feminist awakens inside you and you're like i am angry though you know
2: what that bmg 10 cds for a penny deal really awoke (laughs) a lot inside of me (laughs) i bet it did a lot of things i can thank bmg music club anyway this tour was long and especially stressful And forced Salanus into a state of depression and anxiety. She was always in environments with some level of chaos, and it really started to affect her. So she decided to travel around India after the tour was concluded to try and reorient herself.
1: I bet she did. Hmm.
2: But before I tell you all about it, we're going to take a little breaky break. Because we need more Mm beers. Why
1: don't you guys get yourselves a beer? We'll meet you back here in a couple seconds. Get your beer. Meet you back here. See you in a minute. (laughs) And we're back! Hi.
2: I say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say when we come back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, I'm really digging my beer. Yeah, it's good. It's good.
2: Uh, yeah, so we're talking about Alana. She's in India. She is unhappy.
1: Blah, blah, blah. So she does go to India.
2: Yeah, she goes to India. Traveling in India had a profound effect on her. The purpose of the trip was to get away from everything Western, and the best place to do that is India. Yeah, like... If you're going to do that, go to India. Yeah. She immersed herself in the culture and focused on spirituality and getting back to a peaceful state of mind. She brought this mindset into the studio with her in 1997 to record her follow-up to Jagged Little Pill. Released on November 3rd, 1998, Supposed Former Infatuation Junkie was again again produced by Glenn Ballard and featured songs co-written by him and Alanis. Maverick expected the album to perform moderately, but to their surprise, it debuted at number one in the U.S. Critics were especially kind to it, saying it was a logical step forward for Alanis and praised its grown-up attitude and thoughtful lyrics. I mean, it's a really
1: good album, actually. Yeah, it's a really good follow-up. It's a logical progression. Yeah, it doesn't have the same feel as Jagged Little Pill. Like, Jagged Little Pill, to me at this point, is 100% nostalgia. It's still good, it's still great, but... It's so embedded in my DNA from growing up,
0: but there's something
1: about supposed former infatuation junkie. Like, Jagged Little Pill was the, like,
2: anger vomit (laughs) that she just had to get out. (laughs) Anger!
1: Basically.
2: And she just had to just blah all over everything to get it out. And it was really good, but it was also kind of chaotic. Yeah, yeah. This album, she reined it in. Like she still had the same kind of attitude, but understood how to rein
1: it in. And she, there's a maturity and, be, to and it. be more
2: sophisticated about
1: it. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And there's there are some songs on here that I'm just like, yeah, I still listen to it. And I'm like, God damn it, That cuts deep. Yep, yep, yep.
2: Both the songs "Baba" and "Thank You" were written about her time in India, with "Thank You" yep. being the first single.
1: Thank it, you, India.
2: Yeah. Basically. (laughs) Duh. Duh. It's unabashed honesty. Is it unabashed or unabashed? I thought it was unabashed. Okay. It's (laughs) unabashed honesty really stuck with fans and critics, as did the music video. If you remember, the video is Alanis naked, placed in various public places around New York City. While the video was supposed to be a metaphor for being vulnerable in compromising situations, a lot of people clutched their pearls because how dare a woman that didn't have the ideal
1: body appear on naked on TV. Oh, and then some people are like, how dare a woman be naked and hidden just
2: by her long locks of hair? She doesn't have a long, slim torso and has
1: childbearing hips. How dare she? I mean, just in general, how dare a woman show her body? I mean... Yeah, no, I remember that being the big... Huh. (laughs) Like, she was definitely trying to make a statement. There's nothing sexual or suggestive about it. Yeah. In the least. At all. Even as a kid, I understood, oh, she's trying to make a point, but also, tee hee, she's naked, I'm 13. Yeah, and I'm sure she... I was 14. Holy shit, I'm old. And
2: I'm sure that she, like, she understood that people were going to have that kind of reaction, but... Probably was hoping for people to be a little bit more fucking mature about it.
1: Instead, guess of being... what? <laughs> you overestimated. Oh, that oh was boy. your first mistake, friend.
2: Three more singles were released off supposed former infatuation junkie. However, they all
1: failed to make
2: as big a splash as Thank You did.
1: Really, I thought Uninvited was a pretty big deal.
2: Uninvited was not on this. Oh, you're. It was on the City what? of Angels soundtrack that was released between Jagged Little Pill and this album. I
1: totally thought they put Uninvited
2: on, on this album. I think it didn't actually appear on it when it first came out. I think they subsequently put it on, like, reprinted copies. Maybe. Because it, it was not part of the original track listing. Oh, okay. That's fair. Uh, The song So Pure... Gained some attention with the help of a fun music video.
1: Oh, yeah. I loved that video for it that. It featured
2: Alanis with her then boyfriend actor Dash Mihawk uh, jumping from one decade to another, dancing the most popular dances of the time. Yeah, it was really cute. What a lot of people don't know is that she directed that video. And yes, that really is her dancing.
1: Oh, look at her. I mean, she had them years as a pop star. Oh, Yeah. She knew how to dance. Yeah, she absolutely knew how to dance. Uh, like, well. once you learn that she was a pop like, oh, that makes sense. She, of course she knew how to dance. I didn't realize Dash knew how to dance that well. Good but for you, good Dash. For Wait, well, what was Dash in? He is
2: currently in Ray Donovan. But oh. what I remember him most from was playing Benvolio in the Leonardo DiCaprio version of Romeo and Juliet. That's
1: right! Okay. Yep, I remember. Yep. I'm there for that.
2: Alanis spent the next couple years touring, but also found
1: herself in the midst of a battle with her label. Of course, because it's about that time. It's, it's
2: about that time in the story to, to have some label. the rhythm and the label force,
1: <laughs> the label fights.
2: Even though the first two albums Alanis made under the label did spectacularly well, Maverick lowballed Alanis on a cash advance to record her next album.
1: Hmm.
2: Her response was to invoke the seven-year statue and threaten to leave the label. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Alanis was finding it increasingly difficult to write. For nine months, she wrote nothing. No songs, no lyrics, no journal entries. Wow. But it's not like she wasn't doing anything. In fact, she'd gotten back into acting, most notably appearing wow. as God in the 1999 Kevin Smith film Dogma. That's right. Reprising the role in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back in a post credit scene. Oh, Yeah. She also moved back to Canada, basing herself back in Toronto, but without much of an idea for what she'd be doing next. After basically upturning her life and restructuring her band, she decided to go it alone this time. She would be the sole writer and producer on this album. All of a sudden, she had a burst of creative energy and wrote seven songs within the first week of being in the studio. Altogether, she wrote 27 songs for the album, which would which was whittled down to 17. She's still a lot. Still a lot. Still a lot. But the dispute with Maverick slowed down the recording process to a near halt after Alanis testified at the U.S. government hearings about unfair record contract practices.
1: What? No way! No. You don't say. There was a man about record that? No, no, not Maverick. Label companies don't screw over their artists. Never. That's not a thing. They're you are not made essentially slave contracts. Not at all. Oh, no, why? <laughs> it's not like we've heard this story over and over and over. It's and not like we talk over. about this in every single episode. No, guys, there's a common theme here. <laughs>
2: Maverick execs weren't stupid, as you probably thought they were. But I mean, you know. I did
1: think they were stupid. Yeah,
2: but they knew Alanis was a very vo- valuable artist on their roster. Madonna herself supposedly intervened and convinced Alanis to stay with the label, effectively ending the the dispute. Okay, Madonna, this was two thousand and save the day. This is early two thousands, Madonna. Very early two thousands. This is like. Just post Ray of Light? Okay. Was this music? Maybe. I think this was like music era. 2000?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Music. Still. Okay, Madonna.
2: The label then released Alanis' fifth studio album, Under Rug Swept, on February 26, 2002. Obviously, sales for this album were not as good as her previous efforts, but the singles Hands Clean and Precious Illusions did pretty well. Well, Hands Clean is a really good single. Hands Clean is a great song. Probably my favorite Atlanta song. I really like it a lot.
1: No, that's a good... Her acoustic version? I think it's from The Unplugged, maybe? It's
2: good. Yeah.
1: Very good. And And then... Does the song uh, You Owe Me Nothing in Return, is that from this album as well? That's a good one. I think it's from this album. I I feel fairly confident saying it is. I'm going to say it is. All right. Heard it here first or second because maybe you already knew
2: it. <laughs> but Hands Clean in particular caused a bit of controversy with its subject matter. Oh. The lyrics seem to describe a relationship Alanis had with a much older man when she was underage. Oh, I never got the underage thing. But oh, you you need to read the lyrics. I it's, guess I do. It's pretty obvious that like, it's like oh, this could get messy. Um, like don't tell anybody. Don't tell your family. You know. Oh, I just thought it was this an wouldn't happen. This wouldn't hap- This wouldn't have happened if you weren't so wise beyond your years and like stuff like that.
1: Oh, yeah. You
2: have to. You have to read the lyrics, girl.
1: <laughs> it's oh. uh, it's
2: yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. oh. Anyway.
1: Oh. People
2: picked up on the differences between You Ought to Know and Hands Clean, noting the grown-up approach to a fucked-up relationship in Hands Clean, whereas You Ought to Know is markedly juvenile and angsty.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's grown up. Yeah. She's an adult now. Like, she's actually an adult now. Imagine that. Happens. She spent the next two years
2: writing music for her next album. Again, all of the songs were written solely by Alanis, mostly inspired by her relationship with then-fiancé Ryan Reynolds.
1: I forgot <laughs> about <laughs> that. I think we all did. We all pushed it out of our minds because Ryan Reynolds wasn't Ryan Ryan Reynolds back then. Like he was Ryan Reynolds, but he wasn't Ryan Reynolds. But he was post Van Wilder in that weird it was era but, but it was when also he didn't like, have much of a career, right? Like you knew who he was. He was kind of like that funny guy in a couple he was Van dumb Wilder. movies, yeah. yeah. But he wasn't. I don't. Not even like. He probably did waiting at that point, right? Oh no, waiting was well after this. Really? Yes. God, I really. I looked. think here's the right? thing with the two thousands. Right? I checked out as a human. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't didn't we all? We didn't, didn't need to be here. for yeah, the I don't think early, I checked mid-2000s. back in until like two thousand eight, and I was like, oh. I feel like I quantum leaped back into my body in 2008. That's pretty much why I don't really talk to anybody I went to college with. Don't need to. Yeah. I've got a handful of my college friends and that's all I need. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. The odds weren't great, guys. Yeah. Released in May 2004,
2: so-called Chaos received mixed reviews with some people disapproving of the more mainstream sound of the album. Hmm. But the single Everything did okay. It was fine. But because Americans are prudish brats... Radio stations refuse to play everything because the first line contains the word asshole. That
1: upsets my Puritan sensibilities. Yeah. It makes my asshole hurt. (laughs) I'm asshole hurt now.
2: Yeah. (laughs) A (laughs) D Z Steps was also released as a single, but it was a remix of the song that became a moderate hit. Yeah. Yeah, I do kind
1: of remember that. But it was more dancey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't even think I ever realized that that was a remix. Me either. Huh. And yeah. I learned something today. Well, there you go.
2: She took a break from performing during 2006, but she was still hard at work writing her next album, "Flavors of Entanglement." which was particularly difficult because she was going through a breakup with Deadpool Boy. Deadpool <laughs> Boy! oh. She has admitted that she hit an emotional rock bottom during the writing of that record, describing herself as a broken woman. Oh. She had so much material to work with that it was almost overwhelming. Normally, she would start writing music after she had two journals worth of material, but at this juncture, she had about seven journals worth. Shut up. Yeah. That's so many journals. <laughs> so many journals. So what does one do when writing is that overwhelming one records a cheeky rendition of my humps by black eyed peas and it's so good <laughs> it's so melancholy it's and so sad. fucking
1: good like <laughs> i want that to be at karaoke bars so i can yeah. just sing that and people are like damn damn girl it's so good really sad about and, like, her home the video's fucking hilarious <laughs> yeah
2: she released a cover song with a saucy YouTube video in 2007 with zero explanation at the time.
1: I do. I remember that came out and we're all just Everyone like... Everyone lost it for that. And he, like Facebook was still a, like a fledgling thing. YouTube was still this little fledgling My website. MySpace was still the place to oh, be. Oh, yeah. Space was still the place. And like I remember people posting that video and I watched it. And I was like, this is ridiculous, <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. Good for Alanis. Yeah. And I'm like, I hadn't she can heard take from, the piss. Right. I hadn't heard about her in years. Like, honestly, I forgot about that last album. I just remembered um, the one with hands clean. Uh huh. And so I was like, this girl hasn't done anything in like five years. And then it's like, oh, no, she's still doing. Oh, stuff. she's funny, though. She's funny. She's fun. <laughs> she's a good time.
2: Later, she said that the weight of writing the new album was soul-crushing, so doing a cover of a silly song was just what she needed to keep things on the lighter side. Get it, get it, get it, Alanis. Yeah. Black Eyed Peas apparently approved as Fergie sent Alanis a butt-shaped cake and a thank you note. Stop. But Fergie, I kind of love you, though. No,
1: like, I, Fergie gets a lot of shit for being in Black Eyed Peas, but I think she's somewhat, and also that really terrible song she had. What The, the- I'm gonna miss you like a child misses their blanket. Oh fuck that song! I always forget it's her. Yeah. I always
2: want it to be some random one-hit wonder chick, it's not, and it's not. It's Fergie. It's always Fergie. Um,
1: but no, she also seems like somebody who can laugh at herself. Yeah. And take the piss. Absolutely. So here for Fergie.
2: Yeah. Give her I a break, I want Fergie guys. and Alanis to be BFFs.
1: <gasps> I'm here for that canon.
2: Can. We... That's it. They're BFFs. Yep. It's true, guys. Yeah. Flavors of Entanglement was released in early summer 2008, again to moderate success and good reviews. What do you think Entanglement tastes like? I, uh, there, Apparently there are
1: multiple flavors of it. I bet it's Neapolitan. Oh. Well, I only want one of those three. I only want... I don't want any... I like, don't want any of those three together.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what I never understood. People would get the Neapolitan like half-gallon... Why? of ice cream it's like no well, this makes everybody happy no it makes no one happy it makes one person happy one time because they get to take all of the vanilla ice cream and then there's no vanilla ice cream for everybody else Truth. but then it still makes them pissed off because you still get bits of chocolate and strawberry on their vanilla ice cream I get
1: mad about ne- Neapolitan ice. Entanglement one hundred percent tastes like Neapolitan ice cream.
2: Yeah, you're like, oh, that's a good idea. This is no, way it's more not. complicated than it
1: should be. Nobody's happy now. <laughs> Entanglement Neapolitan ice cream.
2: Yeah, but it failed to spawn any successful singles, and the album itself debuted at number eight on the Billboard charts, which actually is pretty good considering it had like no
1: successful yeah, singles. Yeah, so yeah, no, whatever. like it's good. I think. I think so. I don't know. What what do I what do we know? What do we know? Nothing. Yeah. We're, we're just pro- we're just dumb millennial boomer prudes. I don't, I don't know. know. I just think we're going to get yelled at for not liking Neapolitan ice cream at this point. <laughs> I can't wait for the next one-star review where we get yelled <laughs> at for not liking Neapolitan ice cream. Oh, you know what? It's fine cuz Neapolitan ice cream is trash. I'm not dying on that hill, guys. It's trash. I'm not I'm not going to eat it. It's trash. Anyway, in the meantime,
2: Alana started dating rapper Mario, Mario Soul Eye Treadway. Sure. After sure they, she did. After they met at a meditation gathering in 2009. Okay, this checks. By 2010, they secretly married. And on Christmas Day in 2010, they welcomed their first of three children into the world. Damn,
1: This guy, <laughs> this guy, how do you describe so i wait is it like s o l dash i no is it s o u l e y e yes okay so sure he's uh, he's he's a white dude
2: okay and uh his blog posts are questionable Ooh. in the sense that like i probably wrote better stuff when I was like twelve and was like, I'm gonna write a song because I wanna be a musician. Oh no. Yeah. Ooh. But I I will give it to him. He seems like a very positive human being and That's he good. seems like he treats Alanis Morissette very well. Good. And he's a good dad. Yeah, it's just And like it's nice they keep up their meditations. You sure. know what? That's nice. But <laughs> but his writing just seems like the ramblings of some dude who's really high and real excited to go to the next fish concert does everything rhyme? no, oh his the lines don't even make sense like the he just writes word he just thinks of words and puts them together in a sentence, even though they don't form a sentence hmm. okay, does that make sense?
1: yeah, but, it's like an AI generator,
2: yeah, but like it's kind of like if you. Just kept hitting the middle suggestion button on your keyboard, on your phone. It just kept hitting it, but it was like (laughs) that of somebody who is very positive. (laughs) So everything ends up being really positive, even though it doesn't make sense. You're like, I feel better, but I have no idea why. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, he is that middle suggestion (laughs) button on your keyboard. Okay. Hooray! It's a pretty convenient relationship since they're both musicians. While on tour promoting her 2012 album *Havoc in Bright Lights*, Soul Eye was her opening act. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. She even contributed several songs to his album *Wild Man*, released in 2017.
1: I mean, one of them clearly benefited more from the other. Clearly, <laughs> yes, very much. I'm not going to say who, but I think we can it's, all safely say it was. It is well implied. Alanis. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly. Because this whole time I'm like, you know, Alanis' music is great, but it's just, you know what it's missing? It's just missing that, like, rap element.
1: Yep. Yep. She needs that rapper. She just really is, she needs that rap element to really
2: take her to new heights. That
1: positive rap element. Yeah. 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 Yep. (laughs)
2: 2017 also saw Alanis in court after her business manager slash accountant was indicted for stealing millions of dollars from her and other (gasps) musicians.
1: No shit. Jonathan Todd Schwartz was an employee. Hold up. Of course his name is Jonathan Todd Schwartz. Todd. You know that motherfucker's like 28 and was like, my dad owns a record company and I'm going to work for him. Any... Dude whose middle name is Todd is going to steal millions of dollars from you. Like, you know, that's like, he just should have been named Mr. Nepotism. (laughs) He got that job through nepotism. I'm pretty sure he's an older dude, but still, he sounds like,
2: he sounds like any arrogant, true millennial asshole, like, who got a job out of nepotism. Yeah. Who would be portrayed by Jason Schwartzman in any...
1: (laughs) Or um anything that would like, what's his name Jesse Eisenberg Jesse Eisenberg, <laughs> but I'm I'm very much picturing a Jason Schwartzman. It can character be both here. I don't know it's why it's both of them, and they both got like just nepotismed into their positions, and then they put aging makeup on them. <laughs> also, Mark Zuckerberg and Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, he didn't get nepotismed in anything. I just don't like him. Yeah, so we'll put him in anything we don't like. Yep, that's fair. Just pictures of him in the office of the kids who nepotism their ways into, like, their (laughs) positions because they clearly idolize Mark Zuckerberg.
2: Yeah. They all want to be Mark Zuckerberg, but they're too lazy to actually do anything that he
1: did. So they're going to nepotism their way into it. I am
2: 100% perpetrating the stereotypes
1: of millennials,
2: and I shouldn't be doing that.
1: No, because we are millennials. I guess. We are, but are we? I don't know anymore. Can you please leave us a negative <laughs> review and tell us who we are? Please tell us who we are. I don't know who I am. Anyway, back to Jonathan Todd Schwartz. Oh
2: my god, fuck this guy. He was an employee of GSO Business Management LLC and was appointed to manage Alanis Morissette's funds. He would withdraw money from Alanis's accounts and then report them as personal expenses to his employer, but then pocket the money. Oh, that's so fucked. When confronted, he told Alanis that the money was used to fund an illegal pot growing scheme. Yeah, he's totally exactly how you described it. Oh my- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just realizing this now. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's- but even the illegal pot growing scheme was a lie. There was no scheme. What the fuck? Like, how does it make it better, dude? I don't know. But in reality, he was just funding his own lavish lifestyle. All in all, he stole around $5 million from Alanis alone.
1: How has there not been a movie on this starring Jason Schwartzman and know. Jesse Eisenberg? Like a cute
2: little, like, you know, rom-com kind of thing. Right? On and HBO. Then, uh, HBO,
1: pick this up. What's his face? The kid who lost all that weight. Jonah Hill? Jonah Hill?
2: Oh, this is turning Jeez. out to be horrible. <laughs> right, but it's... I didn't say it was going to be good, but it's accurate. Yeah. And Jeff Goldblum has to be in it. But like only point.
1: like a cameo spot where he just kind of like looks at the kids like, you're all fucking idiots. And then like leaves the room. Yeah. 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 Guys. We already <laughs> cast it for you. you. HBO.
2: You can have it for you free. Can, you can have it. That's it's one for you. Yeah. HBO. It's for you, HBO. Since you fucked up Game of Thrones. Ah, whatever. Anyway. So this douchebag, he was sentenced to six years in prison in order to pay $8.6 million in restitution to those that he stole from.
1: How? How is that fucker going to pay that back? He's not. Right. He just gets six years in jail, which probably got brought down to three months. I mean, he can sell all of the shit he bought. But I still don't think that's going to work. No, because you're not going to get the same amount that
2: you bought it for. No. Most recently, Atlantis has been raising awareness about postpartum depression. Oh. Being a mother was something she'd always known she wanted, but never expected the quote-unquote sneaky monkey with a machete that would come along with it. Oh, that's an accurate description. That's how she described it. That's good. Yeah. She has had full-blown symptoms after giving birth to each of her three children, Aww. describing it as being covered in tar or slogging through molasses. Ugh. She's been making the rounds, discussing her experiences with PPD, offering advice for other mothers who may be struggling with it. And most recently, Jagged Little Pill has been turned into a Broadway play of the same name. Huh. Taking themes from Alanis' Breakthrough album, Jagged like Little Like Dave P- Coulier. <laughs> Can you imagine if he, like, tried out for this? Oh, did he didn't get like, it? did he get it? Cut <laughs> Fuck.
1: it out, guys. You can use my word. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, we did it again. Uh, I mean, he did help Uncle Jesse write radio jingles. He did. So he was good at that. This makes sense. Come this on. works.
1: I hope he at least helped them I write mean, some of the I mean, and Heaven, they were both musicians. Am I right? <laughs> oh God! Now I'm just thinking of all the Uncle Chessy and Uncle Joey fan fiction out there, and I'm just Ugh. upset. Ugh. But it exists. Just cover it all in cheese, please, for the love of God. Just bog it just down like, like cheese. nacho cheese dispenser all, the... all over the internet, <laughs> please. I don't ever want to see it. <laughs> I am paralyzed with <laughs> fear. Oh God.
2: Anyway, as far as I know, Dave Coulier does not come up in this Broadway musical. That's fair. It actually tells the story of a seemingly perfect American family that has a slew of dark secrets to reveal. And tracks from other albums are featured in the musical as well, as well as two new songs Alanis wrote specifically for it. Oh, that's
1: nice. And it's set
2: to make its Broadway debut next month.
1: Oh, look at you, Alanis, kind of doing a bit of everything. Yo. Yo. Still she in could, it. she could EGOT. What EGOT? Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. She could if she really tried. She could EGOT.
2: Yeah, she's already won the Grammys. Yeah. She's been nominated for Golden Globes.
1: No, that's different.
2: Wait, I, yeah, are Oscars
1: Golden Globes? No, I always fuck that up. Are those? I'm saying she's Emmys? been
2: nominated for Golden Globes, which is. One
1: level under the Oscar. Oh, I thought it was the same thing. I don't fucking know. No. The point is she could e got it if she really wanted to. If she really wanted to. But like, I don't think that's what she's in for. No,
2: she can get two of the four and I think she'd be all right with that.
1: Yeah, and she's already G in it. And that's pretty fucking good. She could GT it. That's just a gin and tonic right there. And that's a good time. Yeah. Which is also GT. <laughs> there you go. I hope she gets a Tony. Yeah. I want her to, I want her to at least GT it. I got my fingers crossed for you, Alanis. Don't you don't you worry about it. You have our support. Yeah. I'll support Alanis. I may not like be super into her music like I used to be, but you know what? Still support her as a person. And the postpartum oh, yeah, 100%. depression stuff, like that's really important. I know a lot of moms who have had pretty much every mom I know has had postpartum depression. Did you know most women get it? Like pretty much every woman gets it. That's why I don't ever want to give birth. And it doesn't really manifest
2: itself as regular depression. It no. has very different sy- symptoms. Like, you know, not having any interest in your baby is a huge. It's a yeah. huge part of it, and it's not shit that you would normally
1: recognize as depression. Because well, you kind of lose yourself in having a kid. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yep. Props to moms. Like and it's hard enough to for, take, for doing that. It's
2: hard enough to take care of a newborn kid, right? In the most important time when you're supposed to connect with it and everything. And if you feel like you can't or you don't want to, right? That
1: can hurt your relationship with your kid in the future. You have like so. all these ideas of how it's supposed to go, and then it doesn't go that way. Yeah. Ugh. So I mean, like, that's nice that like Alanis does work with stuff like that, where it's like just normal people stuff.
2: Yeah. So
1: cool. And I'm glad like she keeps up the meditation and all that. Like she wasn't bullshitting, so Yeah. I like her. She's if a good person. If there's anything
2: I've learned about Alanis is that she is incredibly sincere and she doesn't bullshit with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is probably why she's not in the spotlight more. She could be in the spotlight more if she like, tried to be a more controversial person, but she's not. Yeah. And I don't blame her for not wanting to do that.
1: Yeah. Anything that she's gotten controversy statements about, it's just been stuff that she's like, "I'm." it's just, guys, I'm just, I just said fuck, and I'm just naked in a video, but you can't even, it's not a big deal, guys. Yeah. I'm not doing something to be suggestive. It's art. And people don't like art. But no matter what reaction
2: the general public had about things like that, she was always kind of like, all right, well, okay. That's your that's your problem. I just wanted to be. I just thought it would be fun to be naked in this video, so I did it. And
1: here we are. I'm naked.
2: Yeah, but doesn't apologize for any of it. So good for her.
1: And That's a story on a lot more set. So far, who knows? She still got shit. I mean, maybe her and Soul Eye soul over eye. there. Oh my God, soul. Brown Eye Soul, soul- Eye. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to kink shame anybody. You do what you got to do. Do
2: whatever you want, man.
1: Right? Do you feel like. We hope you guys liked that story <laughs> on on Alanis and her, and her boo. <laughs> Mostly just Alanis, though. If you guys uh, are digging what we're dishing out, you can go ahead and visit our website, www.rockkadypodcast.com, and you can listen to other episodes that we've put out and... And then complain about how we
2: don't talk about certain things or we dislike everything. I mean,
1: I think we've been pretty positive this episode. Except for when we're talking about people leaving negative comments. But that's okay. It's fine. Whatever. If you want us to talk shit about you, like,
0: cryptically
1: like, on the podcast, if leave you, us a negative review. No, if you want to leave a negative review, that's fine. I'm going to make fun of it mercilessly for like a week yeah because at this point it's just funny yeah but you could also leave us a positive review (laughs) on apple Podcasts to counter but if you actually like us you could go to apple Podcasts, leave us a positive review five stars is the preferable but you know we'll take a four and anything less gets you like jerk off motions yeah which i don't know you might want that But the point is, leave us a review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Constructive criticism is best, though, because I can't change shit if I don't know what you don't like. If you confuse me with your review, I can't do anything for you. (laughs) And also, if you're just digging music podcasts in general, and maybe we're not tickling the funny bone you've got going on, you should visit our network, because we are on one. It is the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's got A ton of amazing podcasts ranging from different genres to different times in music, different bands, album reviews, people who inspired music. Go visit the Pantheon Podcast Network. It is a good time and supporting them supports us. So please do it. And if
2: you're feeling generous and want to give us your monies, money please, (laughs) then you can... Head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash and give us all your fucking money. All of it. Now. What's in your bank account? We fucking want it. it. I'm just kidding. Whatever you can give is fine. And uh, you can get some cool shit, like some swag and some shoutouts and... A bonus episode every
1: month. coming out soon. So
2: if you want to get in on this next bonus episode. Yeah, which you should because I think we're going to be talking about
1: some interesting shit. Oh, we're talking about some interesting shit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, get on that. Give us your money and get a bonus episode. There you go. And uh, don't forget to tune in next week for more stories and tales from the world of music. It'll be an interesting one. A one that I don't even know much about and I'm learning a lot about. And it's interesting and fun. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah. Tune in next week for more fun and tales. But until then, party on, Ashley. Party on. And party on, you crazy kids out there. Bye. You ought to know.